Hey everybody, welcome back to the only podcast produced by three two-time winners of IMSA Spirit of the Race Award. You're tuned into the Check Engine Podcast. We are hosted on Anchor.fm and we are streamed worldwide on all the platforms that you use to listen to your favorites. My name is Nick. Joining me after a week away are my two good friends, Andrew and Tristan. Hey guys, what's happening? Good to see you again. Yeah, it's good. It's good to be back. Um, the reason for the absence, I'm just going to say it was to partially plan this episode. Um, and that definitely helped, but ooh, I don't know. We're jumping the gun here, but I'm excited for what we're going to do tonight. I'll just say it. I was out of town. I couldn't record with you guys anyway. So That's also true. <laughs> I was on a Life. work I was on a work trip, so yeah, we had some life stuff happening, and uh, hey, this isn't our full-time gig, so every now and again, we have to uh, make some adjustments, but no matter, we're here, and uh, we got some cool stuff to talk about tonight. Hi, Tristan. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like I told uh, Andrew when we hopped on the pre, pre-podcast chat, and Nick, you're like, what do you, how, how you been? Uh, working. Working. And that was about it. <laughs> okay. So wait, Tristan, you had the work trip, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. And starting, I was gone starting this, three weeks ago. I was also gone this last week. I mean, life crazy. We Things literally are opening back trip. up. Yeah, yeah. You're telling, you're telling me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm in charge of, I'm in charge of the company's uh, cell phone bill. And I'll tell you. <laughs> people people are traveling and using them again <laughs> wait you're in charge of actually paying the bill oh god no because if it was it'd be pay, paid on time oh, <laughs> oh my god he's he's, he's is... counting roaming minutes though that's what yeah i am counting data use oh, is what oh it is. got it yeah. okay i'm watching you guys remember, remember roaming watching. minutes and and rollover minutes and all that shit yeah data stash data stash yeah. Ooh. I remember when we first got the plan with the rollover minutes that was like oh night any any time nighttime minutes what nights wow. and weekends yep mobile to mobile mobile to mobile all the scams all the scams they ran on cell phones but we're not a cell phone podcast uh, we are not true <laughs> <laughs> we are in fact a car podcast and we have car stuff to talk about andrew you almost let the cat out of the bag like two minutes ago i did What's uh what's on the agenda? Well, tonight we're going to talk about an uh, we're we're going to exercise our powers of um being infinitely on time with memes as long as the only place you witness memes is this podcast. Um Got does it. anybody does anybody remember I guess it was like just before lockdown last year on Twitter the meme went around about internal monologue and like people who have it versus people who don't. Um, I missed that entirely. You yeah, missed that too. entirely. Oh, good, good, yeah. good, good, good. No, that's good. Um, we'll we'll start with that. We're gonna start with internal monologue, and we're gonna talk about what I think. What I'm hoping to do is develop a theory of car culture fandom based around the idea of internal monologue, because I think, as we've encountered already in this podcast the way people perceive the physical object of the car or individual pieces of it, or I mean, just with the people we've had in this podcast, the way people deal with the idea of the car is so greatly varied. And I think this inner monologue thing may actually have something to do with the way people interact with car culture. So I think, I mean, like I said, 
like I said in pre-pro, this could be the worst episode we've ever done. It could be over in five minutes, or this could be something that's kind of interesting and we can move forward with as a theory. Well, I think that's what makes the entire car culture universe so interesting is that you can perceive it or um, enjoy certain aspects of it more or less than others. And you can be a gearhead but be like on the complete opposite end of the spectrum as the person sitting next to you who also claims to be a gearhead. So if mm -hmm. we can tie it back to something like this and try to, I guess, experiment with it or lay out the idea for an experiment, like I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of where I'm hoping we'll end up. So <laughs> the way the way uh, Andrew pitched this episode, a little behind the scenes, is <laughs> read this article and trust me. And trust me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so we had, did, and here we are. I had 10 hours of driving to do uh, on back-to-back -back days for my work trip, so I had a lot of time to sit in a car and think about cars. So actually, listeners, full disclosure, at this point in the episode, you are about as much in the dark as Tristan and I are. <laughs> yes, other than you haven't read the article that Andrew gave us. Well, that's the only advantage yes, we have. That's the you. only difference. So we're going to see where this goes. Yeah. But... Before we get into any of that, does anyone have any pace slaps, neat car news, anything? Don't to have to raise your hand. Share? We have video now. It works. Tristan is raising <laughs> his hand on the video it chat. It did. So, yes, so Tristan. I, I have a follow-up uh, to our uh, discussion of touchscreen interfaces and things like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, because I actually I posited the theory that they you know you could change a touchscreen layout if you needed to and f physical buttons you were kind of stuck with them yes and i actually went in and got my car updated mm. and it moved a button ah! <laughs> <laughs> what it, it put, which one it put uh, my uh, uh engine automatic start stop that i hate so very much um, they moved it right to the main screen, right there, so I could just boop it and turn it off every time I turn the car on. They wait, didn't... it auto it that doesn't save that your on off status. No, no, oh. it doesn't. Ugh. So knowing that, they at least made the button easier to get to. Well, that is okay. That's a positive change. It's, it's yeah, a step so, in the right direction. Yeah, at least. so you know they they realized that that was something that you know feedback from customers or looking at logs how often that button is pushed or whatever like oh people are using that a lot let's move it and the ui guys that get paid too much actually did something right for once and you know put <laughs> it where them they were overpaid and underworked yes yes uh they uh they actually did something right and it showed the value of that when you have features you have to handle now we don't want to launch back into the whole discussion but i think it was just interesting that those things happened one right after the other we, we discussed it and then i went to the dealer and it happened <laughs> that is great that's very awesome. appropriate that's awesome um i am getting old update on that uh today i was in traffic uh at a stoplight and a a uh, veloster n pulled up next to me and I was very tempted to roll down my window and be like, how's it going? And then I was like, wait, what the fuck is going on? No, I'm not doing that shit. But it was well, the blue. That has nothing to do with your age. 
Yes, That's, it does. I would you, never have You've done never that. done that anyway. How many times have you just rolled down your window to talk to a stranger? Not once in my entire life. Okay, so that has life. nothing to do with your age. <laughs> I mean, it may. What else could it be related to? That I just really like that car and still want it? <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't know. I don't know, man. It was it was a it was a glitch in the matrix. Something. <laughs> yeah, you're not old enough yet because you haven't started to offer them help at See, the, ga- that at was the what... gas station. <laughs> yeah. Oh, ew. That's, or something no, like that. That's vile. What year is it? I, oh, okay. All right. So this is something hey, I've nice experienced. What uh, what year is it? That is something I have absolutely experienced with my brother who likes older cars, specifically Pontiac Grand Prix, mm-hmm. and um. I mean, like he's he's all about it, right? He the year, the model, the um, specific features tied into the paint code, tied into the like he knows how many of this in black with whatever, which I think I've talked about before briefly. So he has that inter- interaction at gas stations all the time, uh, including uh, he once had me go pick up a wooden steering wheel, like a specific spec steering wheel uh, for his green this dream Grand Prix, and that guy tried to have a conversation with me about the wheel. And I was like, oh, actually, it's not for me. I don't. It's for my brother. I don't know I'm what you're talking about. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, it that I'm whole trying thing. Trying to get paid, man. I'm just do, just doing a job. I n- I don't know if I want to get involved with any of that, but I'm worried it might be happening. It might be drawing me in. I feel like I my first instinct is to say I kind of miss that, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, just like the the one race I got to run with the with the cart this year, just, just getting around those like-minded people. And it was up at road America. So while we were running on the go-kart track, there was an eight hour endurance race. The world racing league was running on the big track around us the entire day. Oh, so that's cool. It was super cool. Cause you can look out and, and like, it's, it's that semi pro stuff, right? So you got, you know, your, your Miatas that are caged. And then there was a guy with a C4 Corvette that had tiger stripes on it. And like, they're just, <laughs> And then all the way up to like a full on like IMSA TCR car. Like there were some teams with some money or um, like a Porsche Cayman GT4 that would run in Michelin Pilot Challenge. So like hmm. there was all the way up to that level. And then like these home built, you know, like BRZs with top fuel dragster wings in the back. Oh, <laughs> all God. This stuff. Like it, it was really <laughs> cool. But then you just like the people, like all the people in the cart track, you know, started, you know, you're looking out in between races and. You, that just sparks those conversations so i missed it but if it's something i know nothing about that would make me very uncomfortable if someone just assumes something because of you know whatever the hat i'm wearing and they like mm-hmm. you know what i mean like if i'm wearing like a gulf oil colors and it's like oh you remember the 1972 <laughs> driven by this by that I'm like no, no i don't i was I born just, in 1987 so i just no. thought the hat looked cool man leave me alone <laughs> leave me alone <laughs> uh, that's something i will briefly mention um a switch has flipped in my head and i'm so sick of race cars with golf livery colors now unfortunate facebook post today then nick yeah i think that i I, that was gonna bring it up the uh the mclaren formula one special livery for monaco i think looks amazing i think i think it can still look good but I tweeted like a couple weeks ago, like imagine a year with no golf liveries, like in any at any level, no golf liveries. It, it would never happen, a which is kind of a sign that maybe it should. But 
maybe it's like a time away thing or I, I just, I don't know. I reached, I, I peaked golf oiled. So is it just because, so that, that actually brings up a good question. Um, just kind of like a, would you rather type question? So there's a lot of classic liveries that kind of get redone and brought back and you're saying golf and I get it. You see, you see more golf recreations than probably any other ones, mm, but martini. Like, I was just going to say, which one, yeah. if you couldn't yeah. see it ever again, which one could you, would you just do without golf martini or the black and gold John player special, the, like the Lotus. Oh God, the player special, the player special, because the issue with the player special is it's never good. There are, well, maybe this is an issue in the other direction, but there are hundreds of well-executed non-golf golf liveries, right? There's mm -hmm. a cross motorsport, personal just the cars. Blue and orange together. Yeah. yeah. And whether or not it's intentional when you put light blue and orange together, invariably, if you're at a racetrack, that's what people are going to assume it is, even if it's not. But the player special always looks like trash because no one ever gets it right. And because it's not necessarily just black and gold, like there's other elements to it. And, and almost yeah, the, they're always the only fonts, especially. Yeah, they're always missed because you can't replicate that logo because it's not that. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's not it just a, looks weird. Yeah, it's just it's text is what it was. Yeah. And I think it also has to do with the fact that the car that it was originally on, like it just worked on that shape, like the body panels on that car. Like people try to put it, I saw someone try to put it on a, like a TCR touring car. And it's like, eh. yeah. it, the, 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 just even like the gold pinstriping, it just doesn't work. Mm -mm. You got to have a certain body shape for it. Yeah, you really do. But I think you could mess around with the colors on the martini you know, the different shades of blue with the red and adapt it to any car. I think that one might be the easiest to recreate. Yeah. Just because it's a little more versatile. So I just looked up player special livery and um, like it, you have to do something different. You can't try to imitate the Lotus. Even when Aston Martin did it, it just looks, it just looks bad. Just do something different, do a different thing. Yeah, well, the thing about the the F one, the McLaren F one livery that was unveiled today or yesterday the golf is that one, yeah. yeah the golf one is that it's you know normally they run that papaya orange predominantly so this is just it's a one off for Monaco and then mm -hmm. they're going back to the usual McLaren orange which also looks good by the way I like that McLaren orange Tristan yeah. approved yeah, that's good for sure closest to podcast colors too so. right exactly <laughs> um before we dive in i have got a rental car review Meow. hooray <laughs> so yeah um as mentioned earlier i was on a work trip down to i went down to kansas city and then actually had a three hour so i flew into kansas city rented the car there and then returned it at the des moines international airport so i had a three hour road trip like within the work trip so it's actually really good time to get a good handle on my rental car so when i signed up for the rental car it was like you know full size or whatever and it's like toyota camry or similar so i went to the counter and the um the associate said, well, I have a Mazda CX-5 or a Chevrolet Equinox or a, and I said, 
well, that's in the full size. That wasn't those. That's not a separate thing. That's not like small SUV or whatever. And she goes, no, that we can give you one of those for the same price. And because of the fact I had never actually driven a Mazda before. Of any kind? Of any kind. Wow. I thought, well, what the hell? I'm going to try a CX-5 then. Um, you know, just because, one, I want... A, well, one, I haven't driven one before. And two, I wanted to really dig in and see, like, because their price point is kind of in the middle of your Toyota, Honda, Kias, and, like, your more higher-end <laughs> BMWs, like, low-end BMWs. So it's like, why the price hike? What makes them want to charge that much like what about them as that much nicer so um picked up a mazda cx5 and there was a lot of things i really liked and there was a lot of things i really didn't so it's kind of <laughs> right in the middle kind of <laughs> eh. a lot um, of things you really didn't though just having a strong dislike is kind of unusual in rental cars yeah so i mean take into account that this is rental model so like below base you know so qualify with that as as we go into this but i'll start with some of the stuff that i didn't like um number one and come to find out this isn't just me as andrew drinks from his 10 gallon water jug you don't have to reveal that i muted (laughs) (laughs) um so i come to find out this wasn't just on the mazda I've noticed that um, I heard this on a couple other modern cars, but it's got the the keyless start, push button start. So the fob is like half the size of a cell phone. It's a huge key fob, but none of the buttons are on the large faces. They're all very skinny down the the little chrome edge. Who's doing that? Apparently Kia does it too. But yeah, so you got this entire flat face on the front of the key fob, and none of the buttons are there. It's They're all, all like, logo. It's all yeah, it's all logo, and it's all like all the buttons are microscopic. Like you can barely see what's lock versus. Oh, unlock. that is dumb. So I'm, I'm like, well, that's that just so a wa- that's just a waste of space. Like I don't understand <laughs> what the point of that is. Um, so what else did I not like? Um. So the steering wheel where the logo is, it actually like pops out at you in 3D. It's like, it's like yeah, it's like <laughs> elevated off the rest of the steering wheel, and it's huge, and it's just really distracting. Doesn't um, do anything. It blows the horn. horn. <laughs> the middle of the steering wheel does that. Does the logo do anything specifically? Sounds horny. No. <laughs> Sounds horny. Center of steering wheel sounds horny. That's right. Um, <laughs> I hate in, you sometimes. <laughs> in, <laughs> I can live with that. <laughs> the The interior was um, pretty bland. Not a lot going on. Not a lot of design elements. We were just, you know, our last episode we did was on, you know, interiors and cockpits. So I think it was that was one of the first things I noticed because it was fresh in my head. There's like one little chrome stripe that went right across the middle of the dashboard all the way across, and that was like the only styling element it had. You're not selling this, Nick. It's it's understated. Understated. Classic. That's bland. Business. <laughs> it's bland. Under, understated oatmeal this morning. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, and then the other, so like the next thing that I noticed that 
was kind of off-putting to me. So you, you got your your tachometer and your speedometer right behind the steering wheel, obviously. Those are analog. Great. And then the third slot was where all the other gauges were, and they were all digital. Fine. Cool. The fuel gauge went full on the right to empty on the left, and the needle swung down. So it was like the exact opposite of ah, yes. every other gauge. And I thought, that's weird and pointless. Um, but it weirdly mirrors the... Sorry, I'm looking at a picture of the interior. It matches the... Um, you know, every modern car has a MPG gauge in it. Mm-hmm. So now E and zero on that gauge match. They're on the opposite sides of the of the circle, the top and bottom of the third screen circle. And 80 MPG, super optimistic, and full are on the same side. That is weird. Yeah, so... That layout was a little weird to me. Um, and then the last thing that I... Like, I saw it had a sport mode. had a little sport mode button on the console. So I'm like, yes, please. All it did was say sport in the dash. It made zero difference. Probably aggressive shifts, I would say. Shift points. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> a little thing that said sport lit up. That was it. I think that's what happens with eco mode on the... Uh... Dodge Grand Caravans that we rent consistently to go down to Georgia. <laughs> oh, there, that there reminds no... me. I think I discovered. So speaking of eco modes, blah blah blah. I think I discovered something about my car on my little on its first real road trip here. So on the way up, I drove it in the mode, mode I usually use, which is smart. Right, theoretically mm-hmm. ad- adjusts everything more automatically. Um. But I think the car is significantly more efficient in normal mode versus smart mode. And the only reason I think this is because on the way up, averaged about like 38 MPG with some stuff in the back qualifications. On the way down, pretty good. Uh, it was it was pretty good. On the way down, I was using normal mode and averaged 44 miles a gallon. Whoa. With no stuff in the back. So different circumstances. But I don't know. I, You're I, going down. <laughs> that's also true i was i was on the map i was i was going south, uh, yeah. south is easier yeah it's yeah it's, it's the downhill that's the only <laughs> thing i can think of that maybe normal maybe smart mode is too smart and and edges in aggr- aggressive it was outthinking itself it was picking up it was picking up on your aggressive tendencies definitely I, i'm doing i'm doing some more research on this now now that i'm back in like the area with the yeah the drive i do most often to work so i i don't know We'll see. Sure. That's interesting. Man, 44. That's. that's I was stunned. That's a big number, man. But that's with real gas, too. Yeah. No, no ethanol gas. No ethanol. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) That's ethyl alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Alcohol. All right. So that's Mrs. Alcohol. So so now I'm I'm done shitting on the CX-5 and I'm going to talk about the stuff I actually liked. All right. Let's do it. So, um. On this long three-hour road trip, especially, that I had in the middle, this car, even the the rental one with low-end everything, was exceedingly comfortable. It was very comfortable to sit in, very comfortable to ride in. It was super quiet. You could barely tell the engine was running. It was, there was like zero road noise. Um, it it was really really a nice car for like an open road 
cruise or a nice SUV, I should say, for an open road cruise. And the other thing I really, really liked, you know, a lot of the modern cars, they have your blind spot warnings and they have your edge of lane assists and all that kind of stuff. Um, And a lot of them get like crazy and they freak out on you like super loud beeps and the steering wheel tries to adjust you back and all that kind of stuff. This one was super subtle. So if you were getting too close to the white line, a little graphic would pop up in that third spot where like the fuel gauge and the MPG gauges were on that digital part of the dash and just highlighted the yellow line that you were getting close to. That's it. If you had, um, if you put your blinker on your directional and the blind spot um, light was still on in the mirrors, like if they thought you were trying to change lanes too quickly after a pass, it just went boop, boop, boop. That was it. You know, no big alarms, crazy sirens, no nothing. It, it still, it was just like, hey, you may want to rethink that, but it still left it up to you. It still left it in control of the driver, which I did very much enjoy. Because a lot of cars try to take that out of your hands nowadays. So, mm-hmm. yeah, my Outback beeps pretty loudly, but it's never tried to move the wheel or anything like that. And the uh, the the most annoying one I've ever had was when I was driving a Tahoe for work, where it actually rumbles the seat. Mm-hmm. Oof! Oh, I hate that so much. <laughs> but it got your attention. Yeah. Yeah, I mean mission mission yeah. accomplished, right? It, it's it's unfortunately entirely useless because the the seat rumbles and the first thing you do is what do you do? You look, look at the down. seat. Yeah, away uh-huh. from the dashboard that's telling you the information. It does it's it's worthless. Yeah. Well, this one did not do that. Like I said, very subtle, very low key with all of it. Still again, left it in leaves it in the driver's hands and doesn't try to do everything for you, which was which is really nice. I'd say probably overall six out of ten. Okay, like I mean, it, it's there's a lot of things the, like I said that I didn't like, but I mean it was incredibly comfortable, even for a rental car with low end seats. It really was to drive. Good. The stupid key in and of itself for moving two of those points. Oh yes, I, I, I just I looked at it I'm like who approved this? This is it's one of those everyday annoyances. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like. I'm pretty fortunate. I have pretty good eyesight. So like, and even I was like doing this because it's obviously just two padlocks, right? Like that's, that's all they could fit on there. And it's like a millimeter difference to tell which one mean was open versus closed. So it's like, which one do I press? Like it's just put it on the bigger where you have more. Anyway, that is so, ridiculous. So weird quibble with my car is it's, it's, it's like lock, unlock trunk. But the trunk button and the lock button look the same, and the uh-huh. unlock and the unlock button is the Subaru logo in the middle. It's like a silver trapezoid at the top and a silver trapezoid at the bottom, and the Subaru roundel in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the unlock is the Subaru button. I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense because if it's the biggest, flashiest button, do you get like little bumblies on the lock button or something? Because that's why I have little bumblies unlock at the I, top. It's it's very hard to figure out unless you look at the key. Like, you have to, like, figure it out. Because normally I would think, like, lock and unlock should be the opposite of each other. And then Mm. the one that I'm going to use the least, the trunk popping button, is the one that can be camouflaged behind the Subaru logo. Well, technically the one you use the least would be the panic button. Mm -hmm. 
Hopefully. Yeah, I think that's its own thing somewhere else on the face of the thing. So. Gotcha. I mean, unless you're a little jittery. <laughs> but you, you shouldn't use that one that often. Huh, you jittery boy. <laughs> I thought that's where he was going with that. <laughs> so, yeah, I would overall, I would say six out of ten for the CX-5. Well, all right. We've been we've been rambling on for a while here. Let's get let's let Andrew uh, run this thought experiment on us, huh? Yeah, let's I don't do want that. him inside my mind. <laughs> I don't want him inside. That's, you know, it's mind. too late. Yeah. It um, is. <laughs> before before we do that, Nick, though, before we do that, we've got to remind folks how to get a hold of us if they so choose. So uh, we're all over social media. You can find us on Facebook if you look up Check Engine Podcast. Andrew, you mentioned that you were tweeting out stuff before. Where can they find us on Twitter? At Check Engine Pod. Tristan, where can they find us on the Instagrams? Also at Check Engine Pod. Be sure to like, follow, share, post, direct message. Reach out however and whenever you can on those social media pages. You can ask us questions that we can answer on the air. You can let us know what you like or dislike about our topics let give us feedback on this one this is this is an experiment for us so let us know <laughs> um you can give us if you don't like it give us an idea what do you want us to talk about give us topic ideas so thanks in advance yeah. if you think it's so easy you do it yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> listener uh, all right andrew all right um where to begin yes let's begin at the beginning um makes sense so i really became aware of this meme. I want to say it was like January of this year because I don't spend that much time on Twitter outside of our account, which is all exclusively car stuff. I don't venture out onto scary regular Twitter. That makes me very angry. Um, so I, it took me a while to find out about this and I don't even remember where I heard it, but uh, in January of 2020, a tweet went pretty pretty reasonably viral uh by uh by a guy named at kyle plant emoji um okay he says this fun fact some people have an internal narrative and some don't as in some people's thoughts are like sentences they hear quote unquote and some people just have abstract nonverbal thoughts and have to consciously verbalize them most people aren't aware of the other type of person and at first i was like oh great that's stupid and on twitter and i hate it but I asked like one person about the internal narrative thing. I think it was someone at work and they were like, no, I don't have that. And I was like, what is wrong with you people? So I think that's our first place <laughs> to start for okay. all three of us. Personally, I have an internal narrative. It is a, uh, I, I mean, not like a constant narration, but it's a, a internalized voice where I basically have internal discussions with myself or think my ideas or what I'm going to say before I actually do it. Or um, I, I, it even comes out in conversation or on this podcast, you will hear it. I will start to say something. The voice in my head will go, actually think this. And I have to change it and go, uh, or well, or something basically just a filler mm -hmm. while I change my mind and what I'm going to say sort of in real time. And just as, as a side note, it just happened there. But as a side note, <laughs> Part of this is a little bit like, like picking scabs or something like thinking, externalizing the way that you think your own thoughts is really weird and kind of abstract, but 
in my experience, regardless of what you think you're saying, uh, what you think of what you're saying, it generally makes sense to other people. As opposed to, you know, if you're just kind of talking out like I am now and it sounds like I'm floundering, but I'm sure that you guys understood everything that I said front to back there. Yeah, yeah I, had for the most very, part. I had a very similar experience because I was very intently reading my phone when you sent that article. And I was asked, hey, what are you reading? <laughs> and then I had to try to explain what I had just read. And you sound like a blithering moron. Yes. The, but then, and it's, oh, then the other person goes, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You're like, okay, how? But fine, I'll take it. I don't sound <laughs> exactly. that stupid, do I? Yeah. Right. So I, I have an internal monologue. What about you guys? Tristan? I, I absolutely do not. It blew my mind when what? I read when I read that article. Really? Like, yeah. I like ideas exist as ideas, and you'll you can like watch the Rolodex work. That's a like as I f look for the words. Like I'll have an idea, and then it just kind of goes, and I come up with the words to describe the idea I had, which is why it takes so long. So, like, I'm not pre-visualizing the words I'm going to say, so sometimes it takes me a while to get around to what I'm trying to say, because I'm trying to see which words fit. And I think that also probably contributed to my stutter when I was a kid. Oh, maybe. That's a really That's good point. interesting. I, and I was like, what? People have, like, narrators in their heads? They They hear words in their head? Yes, I I had no idea. <laughs> I definitely had I definitely had you pegged as an internal monologue haver, Tristan. No, not at all. Yeah, that that surprises me a lot. I'm on what Team Andrew. Yeah. I I I have that little voice in my head that, that it makes me deeply uncomfortable that that's a thing. <laughs> well, now I mean, mine is also my the voice in my head is also uh, at times incredibly negative, which is why I've spent so much time uh, being depressed. My internal monologue is. Very aggressive and hateful, specifically real, towards me and others. Real downer, that guy. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a dick sometimes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so uh, I, I don't know. Tristan, you may get this. I don't know if you will, Nick. Um, there's a game called The Stanley Parable. Yes. Which is essentially like a first-person game where there's a narrator who narrates the choices that you are intended to make in the game. Mm -hmm. And if you follow the choices you get to one ending and then it's like it's open world from there like you know stanley got up he walked out of his cubicle that type of and shit and then if you don't walk out of your cubicle the voice gets like uh he walked out of his cubicle yeah why are you not walking out of your cubicle <laughs> it just it's yeah. it's not exactly like that but it can be i'll be you know example walking out of the house you don't have your keys is what i'll hear you know something like that as a, yeah. a small versus me i get all the way out to the car <laughs> and i go spontaneously Oh, keys. And I go back and I say it out loud and I go back and get them. The, wor the words do not occur to me outside of the feeling that I don't have my keys. And then I verbalize that externally and go get my keys. So all of mine happens like it's almost like preemptively to that kind of stuff using the keys example. So like it gets me into my routine. So like if I'm leaving the house, I've got the key ring at the bottom of the stairs. So I'll be going down the stairs and my mind will be like, be sure to grab the keys before you walk out the door. <laughs> you know, all right, keys out the door. And it's almost like a checklist that I'm going through. That may be why I don't really mind it. Like she's always concerned that it's, you know, naggy or whatever. But like I'm getting ready to go and 
Jessica is the exterior monologue. Like <laughs> she, she looks at me and goes, "Phone, wallet, keys," and I go, "Pat, pat, pat, pat." Yeah, and I'm I good did to the same. Like, I did the same thing with yeah. Claire. We're yeah, just about to leave. She's putting her shoes on. I'm like, "And you got your phone, and you got your purse, and she got your." <laughs> yep. Yeah. Huh. And look what happens when I'm away for two weeks. I lose my wallet. But yeah, the uh, <laughs> <laughs> but. But yeah, I don't, those words don't occur to me until someone else says them, or I have the idea, and then it becomes fully realized once I speak it. But that's why sometimes it's hard for me. You've, you've heard it on the podcast. Like, I'll talk for two minutes, and then the idea is complete, and then it drops. You know? <laughs> like, it's like, that's all the pieces. There we go. And that hasn't been figured out beforehand. It's, uh, you know, just in, just in time compiling. So <laughs> very interesting. That is interesting. Um, all right. So, so now how does this relate back to cars? This is an interesting discussion. Well, it is. It is interesting. So we'll start with that. Um, I, I do have a bunch of other articles pulled up and, and specifically like just a wiki, the Wikipedia page for shorthand. But this is the first place I want to go with it. Um, experientially, what we know is that between racing drivers and journalists and writers and other people that we've had on the podcast, we know that they experience car culture very differently, regardless of where they are in the actual world as insiders to the culture. Sure. They have almost different experiences between when they're on track or on the job and what they do in their personal lives. So let's, what happens? I wonder if the three of us start with a very simple concept. What is the first thing you think of when I say V8, do we just shout it out? Yep. Pick Engine. Up okay. I think of, I visualize the literal badge on the back of those Ford expeditions. The V like, with the eight in the middle? Yes, the V with the V8 in the middle. So, Nick, do you picture a V8 engine? I like picture a, like an engine block. Yes. See, that's now this is actually exactly what I was hoping for. And I picture things that have v8s in them <laughs> apparently okay that's good so one of my biggest issues with car culture in general and any part of it i don't actually know how cars work nor can i call to mind anything beyond like i know what a brake rotor looks like in a caliper mm -hmm. i can picture that but i can't picture an engine block or anything other than like the top of a LS is kind of squiggly. I know that, but I, so I, I mean, is it a, is it a specific V8 you picture? Like, is it an LS or is it just like a four and four? Like I, for, for Nick, can you explain how, what you picture? It's um, imagine if you were to like do a clip art search for engine, mm -hmm. like almost like the most basic it does, you know, I'm not, picturing like oh it's a 454 or it's a ls or a north star or anything like that it's just yeah you've got the headers on either side with four outlets like v8 four and four gotcha brandless <laughs> gray gray <laughs> dull it's gray uh, so then, so it doesn't have like a, you know, like the air cleaner on top or like the big fan in the front, sort of like a, is it sort um, of like a more realized version of like the podcast logo? You know what I mean? Yeah. More like that. 
like I'm not. It's not like the detail, you know, with the fan and the belt on the front or anything like that. So Tristan, you said you visualize things what have V8s in them. Yeah, apparently I I wasn't thinking about it, but you said what's the first thing that comes to mind when you say V8? Like the mm-hmm. first thing that popped into my head was like a pickup truck, and then I was like, and then a Corvette, and then my dad's car. As 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 my brain is spinning through the different kinds of V8s available, mm-hmm. like it, I'm thinking of the cars that have them in them. Is like the first three things that occurred to me. Yeah. See, I I would have no reason to believe this, but I would think that Nick's reaction would probably be the most common among people who like cars, simply because, well, I mean, maybe it's stupid, but that makes sense to me, right? When car people think of V8s, they would probably think of one, or at least something comprised, you know, something that comprises a V8. Maybe it would be other cars. And, hey, I'm not, I do not claim at all to be a great mechanic. I can do some basic stuff with a car on my own, but someone like my dad who can basically fix anything on a car. But I think for people who aren't car people, when you say, Oh, I'm a car person. Those people automatically think that you can like fix everything and you know, all the ins and outs, like just because you like cars, you know how to fix every single thing about it. You know, like, Oh, you're a car person. I've got this knock on the back I think it's coming from the right. What could that be? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The internet is your friend. Yeah. Or your Google worst it. enemy. <laughs> it's your worst enemy, definitely. <laughs> Both. Neither. So, I, I mean, I guess um, that's probably like a nice follow-along. So, what happens while you're driving? Um, so, let's, let's set up a situation here. You're driving um, on the freeway. And someone from the right-hand side merges right in front of you, cuts you off. Close enough where you have to take evasive action. (laughs) What's your thought process before then in that moment? Like, did you, do you think perhaps you saw them on the corner of your eye and you predicted that was going to happen? Maybe you didn't. It was a complete surprise. That doesn't necessarily matter. But does the thought of what you need to do occur in your head before you do it? Or is it all like live or is it even post because for me personally i know unless i have a prediction which happens pretty often you see someone shoot past you on the right there's a 70 to 80 percent chance they're going to cut you off Mm -hmm. so you're kind of ready but when i'm not prepared for it i don't do any thinking about what just happened until immediately after yeah it's all that was a perfect example of that was the story that my dad always tells about how we went to the driving experience at road Atlanta and it paid for itself a hundred miles from the track as all the stuff we had just learned, the big semi tire blows out and all the stuff I had just learned and had become like muscle memory. I just do it. And then like go, Whoa, afterwards. And it's, it's a reaction first. It's not brainstem reaction because that's not how humans work you don't drive from that level but right it's close yeah yeah i mean tristan weren't you riding with me in the bullet way back when there was that mattress on the road and i had to <laughs> try to <laughs> yes like it was between the mattress and like another vehicle that we had to like snake in between well i can people ask me about this andrew when when you're racing too because there's a there's so many things especially when you're racing with somebody close quarters you can anticipate some things right 
Like if someone's diving inside of you to make a pass, you figure, okay, their angle's messed up. So they're going to overshoot the exit and I can cry and you can try to set yourself up for that. But there's so many things. Somebody darts in front of you or some, a couple people tangle in front of you and it's like an accordion effect and backs up. Like people ask, you know, my dad asked me this all the time and I give him the same answer. He's like, what were you thinking when? And it's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just reactionary. The like, point is nothing. But afterwards, <laughs> you know, give me a little bit of time to process it. You know, I'll get out of the cart. And we'll be walking back to the to our trailer, and it's like, okay, so here's kind of how I saw it, and here's kind of how I tried. But heat of the moment, I don't know any of that. And like your brain, based on like the things that you know, it doesn't take long for your brain to remember things, mm-hmm. and then your pattern recognition takes over all the heuristics in your brain, and then you mm-hmm. make a decision before you consciously make a decision. I think the craziest one i ever did was when i saw a deer land in the road in front of me and i mashed my foot on the gas specifically so that the airbags wouldn't go off in my car yeah that's right i remember that story yes like like afterwards i was like why didn't you hit the brake and it wasn't a mistake i was like well because i didn't want the airbags to go off oh i didn't want the airbags to go off i i've my brain thought that through in you know milliseconds and jab the gas faster than you can realize that you were thinking it through yeah exactly but you did think it through just not your conscious mind <laughs> all yeah. the, right all and the I, shortcuts your brain takes andrew and i think it changes a little bit too depending on the car you drive i think you know like for me i love to drive stick but up until i had i just got this focus last summer i didn't drive stick too regularly it was only when my dad would let me drive his corvettes right right so if in all of my other vehicles, the Colorado before that, for instance, if someone cuts me off and I actually jump on the brakes. I know where he's going with that. I jump on the brakes. <laughs> mm-hmm. First time that happened in the Focus, I didn't think left foot dump the clutch to keep yeah. the engine running. Like I just mm-hmm. jumped on the brakes, you know, and then that was bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> like it, it, you, you, you do have to train yourself a little bit when the vehicle you're in is different. Like I. Now, when I get into the blazer that I have to tow the cart trailer, I'm without really thinking about it. I'm braking earlier for stoplights. Like there's extra weight. It's going to take me a longer time. You know, the brake caliper, the brake rotors aren't as big as they are on my focus. You know, it's not designed for that. And that's a silly question that I get from a lot of people. I think it is at least you guys can judge, but like humans have for millennia done something called code switching where when you're put in a different environment, you literally think and behave differently. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I get in, you know, I when I got in my WRX when I had it, and I get into Jessica's car you know, on, on automatic, like, people are like, oh, aren't you always reaching for the clutch pedal? It's like, no, because I know there isn't one. Like, <laughs> you know, I, it's it's not, maybe I just didn't own a manual car long enough, but I feel like everything else became second nature, but my brain knew what car I was sitting in and what it did and didn't need to do. Well, see, that's interesting because I, uh, going from the Veloster to the Elantra, I never had a problem. The only time I went for the clutch is when I tried to do something stupid um, and use the uh, double clutch gearbox like I would a manual pulling up into the driveway. And my left foot just went for the clutch and nailed the shit out of the brake. So, 
the most violent himself, sub alive. Bounced himself off the steering wheel and didn't do yeah, that again. Yeah, bad. Um, but I regularly do that now driving Meg's Kona because the binnacle is exactly the same as it was in my Veloster. See, that would that would be... Okay. But that would match. Yeah. Like, your brain being stupid it's of itself and taking all these pattern recognition shortcuts it it thinks you're back in where you need to use the clutch but mm-hmm. if, if it's if it's a different environment your brain goes i don't need that it's a different car and it, yeah. it categorizes them appropriately yeah that's so. true um all right to go back to something you said nick in my because it's an interesting difference in my very limited experience doing any kind of racing even if it was just at the little indoor car track my inner monologue is going insane when i'm in that cart it's it's like it's the most intense internal monologue ever every single thing is essentially being narrated to me but it's not a crowded racing field most of the time i'm chasing someone it's like go you fucker go you fucker no you're under you're you're overdriving you're understeering it's this is that you know it's a, what's next left mm-hmm. what's next right that is it's exclusively internal monologue it's not it's almost like i'm not even thinking about what i'm doing because it's being narrated to me so i will do that if like there's if i know there's no pressure from behind and I, like if i'm kind of by myself like qualifying when they space us out right and i've got 20 lengths in front of me 20 lengths behind me and i can just focus on my own line and not have to worry about anybody else I talk myself through everything and I will be, and I will insult myself when I fuck up. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, you know, um, and again, it's more kind of relating back to the thing when I'm leaving the house and make sure you grab the keys. It's like, it's what's upcoming. Right. So it's like, all right, left-hand turn, you know, like Badger car club going into turn one, fast left-hand corner right so coming down the front stretch okay you're gonna stab the brake at the finish line pitch it aim for the apex you know and just kind of talk yourself through it and then when the back end jumps out and i dip wheel off into the grass it's like well you fucked that one up now this lap's a wash uh-huh okay <laughs> refocus get back in rhythm before you start the, and then you just talk yourself through the rest of the way but that's only if i know there's not somebody breathing down my neck or i'm not running somebody down and i have to account for what they may or may not do Mm-hmm. yeah for, versus like me it's it's all it's such a it seems such a stupid and vague thing now that you guys are describing like how precise you guys are in your language <laughs> and like but like it's just very much like a feeling like your body reacts to it too like you know just like a feeling bro yeah like it's like that sounds stupid because it's like cause <laughs> it just, because because there aren't any words going on in my head it's like it translates to hey you overdrove that one but it's like that little hiccup of oh god the cart is sliding and like that like heart in the throat feeling and almost like a color to your vision like you know uh-huh. It, it, almost like not like that exactly but like it, it's very visual um like maybe maybe i don't have an inner monologue but i've got an inner silent movie i don't know um Ooh. like <laughs> like because like when you're talking it's next, got like talking, charlie chaplin up there just right? <laughs> and organ music um but uh when you're when you're talking about like the you know talking out the next steps of the track like 
I I would never I would never speed. But when I'm driving down, uh, <laughs> how could you? Uh, it's illegal. I, I, there's, yeah, I could only keep my cool for so long there. I'm sorry. But but like, you know, you got to be careful. The roads around here are twisty, and uh, you know when you got to take those twisty roads, like I visualize what's coming, like a little like scrolling GPS in my head. Ooh. Like. But there's no words. It's not like, okay, there's a tight left-hander up here, and then I got to, oh, don't clip that corner. That's where the pothole is. Like, I'm seeing. You don't have the internal rally navigator for left, don't cut. No, No, because I'm seeing it. Like, like I know what's coming, and I'm, like, visualizing ahead in my brain. This is wild. Visualizing what I'm doing instead of talking it out. He's so And, like, it, it will translate. Like, if someone is sitting next to me, I can then say, like, okay, and up here's, you know, there's always gravel on the road here, and the lines are really faint, so be care- I gotta be careful here, and like I can talk it out, out loud, but it's that's not what's going on in my head. See, I don't think I could talk it out loud, but it's funny. It's funny you bring up never ever speeding on roads, which I would never do. I would, I would never, I would always never speed. This is this is simply not done. It's <laughs> it's against the law. But uh, on my work trip, there was a elegant strip of road that runs between lakes sweeping hills up down um and in forza (laughs) i would no uh so i was driving this road and it was gorgeous and my car happens to have sport mode for some reason i wouldn't know and um because it was a new road like i didn't know it well so all of that was 100 percent dialogue in my head, just all right. Next time, be in third. Next time, be in fourth. Hit it down here. That corner's full of gravel. You know, like this is a long, wide turn. So I, you know, had the GPS on, so you can kind of see the map. Like this long, wide turn. Careful around the corner. See who's coming. That type of stuff. But even on a road I knew really well, like Bryn, I couldn't narrate to someone while I was doing it what was coming next. I wouldn't be able to do that. Because that's all still in my head. It's right. me saying it to myself. Essentially, I wouldn't be able to say it to someone else because it hasn't completed yet. So, have you guys? You get, have you guys seen that when, like, on a racing broadcast, they'll have like a driver on the radio, like take you on a lap of the track. Have you yeah, watched that? I, yeah. Maybe like once or twice. Yeah, yeah, I watched the Alan McNish around the moth. Obviously, that, yeah, of course. <laughs> That is so much harder to do than it looks. Like, I tried doing that on, like, a Forza game or something like that, just talking, my, like, out loud. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mentioned, I do it in my head when I'm driving all the time, but, like, talking out loud, like I'm telling someone else what I'm doing, no freaking chance. Two nope. corners, I'm in the tire barriers. Easy. <laughs> it's, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it either. Yeah, it's that's, insane. That's because, you're, that's because you're double processing that. You're already processing it in your head, and then you got to spit it out. Yeah, I just, exactly. I just have to, I just have to read it out loud. <laughs> so bizarre so what uh, basically what i'm trying to do is picture different scenarios that we can then use to determine whether or not there's a commonality in how people process car related things or whether or not it's just completely all of the board and everyone experiences it differently in anything you know everyone's their own personal universe and any people you happen to meet are the result of a de- diseased imagination mm-hmm. um but okay like I, like I said, I've I've only ever had very very limited experience on a racetrack. But 
one thing I think we've all done quite a bit is change our own oil. So with a simple task like that, or, ch or changing a tire, changing a tire, changing oil, both pretty easy, both pretty straightforward. And I think we've, all three of us have done both a fair number of times. Sure. Yeah. So let's say it's the oil thing. You're going to do that. What do you experience? Like literally you have everything in front of you. What is your first thought? What gets you started on that process? For me, it would be actually less narration and more by rote. I mean, obviously in this new car, I would have no clue, but like on my old Elantra, I didn't so much think through the process or plan it out or checklist it or anything. I just kind of did stuff. And so it's also hard to explain exactly what I did because it just kind of drove itself. I honestly char change my oil so rarely on my own. It's always at least a social event, even if I'm doing the work. Sure. Like my dad will come out and change the oil on the Jeep or something at the same time. Um, so I don't know that I paid attention. Like, I'm sure I have a checklist and I think it begins with making sure the catch pan is in the right place. Cause when you don't do that mm. right once, you never do it wrong again. True. Um, but like, like that, like when you set it, you're like, okay, you're going to start like what kicks you off. And I'm like, you put the oil pan in the right, the oil catch pan in the right place. The mm -hmm. first thing, poof, like right to the front of my mind was, was you do that right away. But I think that's, if you do nothing else, put yeah, the based, pan in the right based on experience. Yeah. <laughs> experience and fear yeah um yeah i guess i'm kind of the same way as tristan like there's always that one task i guess for me it's basically right like catch pan i will say i spend most time on the catch pan making sure uh, yeah drawing I'm a little doing line that. like i'm trying to remember <laughs> to... like i'm trying to get myself in a similar angle to where i was the time before like when the when the seal broke and like okay where was the arc <laughs> like how far back did it go so like I will adjust the catch pan probably 35 times before I'm really comfortable with it. But I think the first task for me is um, I always just grab the jack. Mm -hmm. you, you can't do anything until you jack up the car. So let's get let's get the jack stands. Let's get the jack and let's go. I will, however, be extracting, get extracting my oil from now on. Huh? Because my dad bought an oil extractor. Really? You don't have to, especially with my car, where the filter is up on top. Yeah. Oh. I, you, you, you just open the dipstick, stick this tube in, pump out the oil. It's a siphon, yeah. And it's, a, it's actually physically like a vacuum pump. Yeah. And, then, and then you put the new filter on and then fill it back up. You don't have to go into the car at all. Oh, that's kind of cool. And so my, my entire process will now change. <laughs> but previously, <laughs> it was the catch pan. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, so what I did you say it was for you, Andrew? Or did you say it's kind of, you don't really, I just, I just, just kind of did it, did it. Um, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm now thinking of other things. So, um, sorry in previous, no, no, no. In previous jobs related to this in previous jobs, like, um, sharpening mower blades, it's pretty much the same, right. Or even changing like, um, the, the string trimmer reel, like regular mm -hmm. shit like that. It's not unlike almost everything else I've described to this point. It's there's no internal monologue for that. There's no sense of narration 
unless something goes wrong and then it's just negative criticism you fucking idiot that type of stuff <laughs> it's it's there's tasks like that that it, it's just not there's just nothing narrated about it it's just something i'm doing mm-hmm. yeah i think that's probably most i mean even people with an internal monologue like there there comes a point where tasks become so mundane it doesn't require thought and without thought what conscious thought and without conscious thought there's probably no monologue that's my assumption hmm even when you're sitting there spinning your wheels like you know you're you know sitting in a quiet room and you're thinking about stuff it, it's still conscious thought you know you're thinking about it like when i you know fill my water bottle I'm not thinking about it, as evidenced by the fact that Nick heard me overfill it. Um, maybe, I, maybe, I sh- maybe I should be thinking about it. That was a very um, uh, interesting ASMR. We might release that as bonus content sometime down the road. But, but like, I'm not sitting there thinking about it. It's just happening because there's no conscious thought happening. I don't know. That's interesting. Hmm. I, I yeah. I mean, I guess I would have. I would have thought. Or not necessarily because I I know how I think, but it, it seems like there'd be some level of consistency there between doing an active activity like driving or racing or whatever, and doing a labor task for lack of a better term. I think I think it also depends on what it is, and for me personally, it probably also depends on how bad I am at it. Because if it's something like wrapping presents, <laughs> which oh, I'm horrible yeah. at, my voice, my mm. internal monologue is going fucking insane. <laughs> I I can tell that for mine it's all feelings it's not monologue because like I just come out of that experience wrecked like out of sorts <laughs> and <laughs> out of sorts and sad and why would anybody ever want to open this piece of garbage like yeah man just and, and like but that's me telling you and until I talk to somebody about it, it's just a feeling. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. Oh, that's really funny. Um, Looks like right. it was wrapped by a two-year-old yeah. that Mine's only had one that. hand. It's quite poor. <laughs> quite a poor job. Um, all right. So let's try to bring this back to cars with, I, I'm trying to think of a good way to do not necessarily brand association because I don't know if that's that valuable, but maybe a good place to start on this podcast is with something like Ferrari. What is it that we each picture when you say Ferrari? For me, it's the logo, the actual like the horse logo, not a car, not not. So it'd be the horse logo, then Ferrari red clothing, then like a Marinello or something. You know what I mean? Like. It's. I don't think mine of cars. Was just red. Just red. Okay. I think. I think they'd like that. Yeah. The, Probably. Yeah. Mission accomplished for Ferrari. Um, right. So just Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Um, I view the first thing I think of is like an F forty. That's like the first thing that pops into my head is an F40 sure. or probably now more like the like the 488 style just because I yeah. like it so much. Like that's the first thing that pops. So I'm an actual like holistic view, like, you know, wallpaper 
on your on your computer screen type photo of one of those cars. What about nine eleven? I just picture like the ass of the new ones. Chris Harris. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Good one. Targa, nine eleven Targa, nine yeah. eleven Targa. No, I saw the entire car in silhouette from the side. Mm. Classy as always. How about you, Nick? For nine eleven. Um. Same thing, like the like the full picture of the car. I almost. You know, because I'm such a motorsports freak, I I almost go to like the 911 Cup with like the big wings on the back. Mm. Like that's that, that's my first thought of a 911. Default so, default configurator 911 from the side. Yeah, yeah. Silver. No 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 tail on. Oh no yeah, silver tail on mine. Yeah. Silver. It's oh German, yeah, definitely silver. silver. Definitely silver. Yeah. That was never a question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is funny though that we all thought silver. Um. Here's something I want to point out, and and I didn't know what to expect, but this is maybe an interesting outcome. No one has yet said, for the V8 question, for the 911 question, or for the Ferrari question, no one has said the sound. No one has heard. There's never been an auditory component to it, as far as anyone's mentioned. No. Do, I mean, personally, nope. I am 100% useless at that... Um, gone in 60 seconds thing where it's like oh they're they're sitting there like listening to recorded engines and apparently that's a thing i can't orally identify engine types or cars or differentiate between anything i mean when we're at the track it's like oh clearly dpi car clearly you know gt car that's obvious but i don't i I think at the track it's easier because they don't have like the mufflers either that's and, true. Yeah, you're hearing the you, engine You know itself. that the, the banshee whale coming through the trees is going to be the 911 flat six. Right. And that and kind also... of almost pod, <laughs> the almost pod racery back in the day was those, uh, the, the, the prototype challenge Judd motors. Yeah. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some things stick out. But I wonder, I, I would assume that there are people who have that association right because similar to the way someone perhaps who owned or currently owns a 911 would have the the, like the memory or or the a flash of the tactile feel of driving the actual car right like that if someone were to say veloster that's my first sense right i know what the cars like to drive that's might be Mm -hmm. the first thing i think of but i'm just wondering what of what value i wonder is someone who has like a auditory association with cars when it comes to either working on them or, or being around them. Is there, do you think there's a greater appreciation for engines? If you have that sensory association in, in my opinion, I think it's more about kind of what Tristan said. There are some that stand out. If the car is known for the way it sounds, <laughs> you know, like when you think of Lexus LFA, yes, you know, like every, like look up any article, watch any video, the captions, whatever. The first thing you're going to see is the sound, the engine sound. Listen to this, listen to an LFA. Don't watch it. Listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, it's more depends on the vehicle in question than 
And obviously, yeah, if you've driven one, if you have that experience, it helps. But, you know, all other things being equal, I think it's it's more about the vehicle in question than, like, our internal workings. That's just me. I got to get yep. some fun. I got to get some funding. Going to run a study on this because my assumption is that it's it's the person and they would be the they would be the same for a lot of different stuff. You mean like how they process things in general? Yeah, like like cars and you know if they if they associate like when you say, you know, if I were to tell you, I know not a not a podcast for this, but just in the same way, I told you uh, talking about gone in 60 seconds, you say what do you think of when you think of Nicolas Cage? What about him? Do you, do you think about the movies he's been in? Do you do an impression of him in your head? Do you see him doing the Nicolas Cage thing? <laughs> I see you him know? grabbing that girl's ass in the beginning of Face Off. <laughs> <laughs> Invariably. That's never so, changed. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I, I'd, be, I, I'd be curious if you do it not just about cars, but you do it about a lot of stuff. If there are oral people, um, you know, tactile people, visual people, and of the visual people, are you visualizing objects, the whole object, a specific part of the object over and over, colors, what have you? Yeah. And I'd be, I'd be curious if that was the same. Definitely. Um, well, because the one thing I would say that kind of runs counter to that, Tristan, is if we were to do the same thing with music... I would be able to do that much better than with any car engine. So even if someone said, um, uh, the, the uh, Subaru boxer, Subaru boxer engine, I can't hear the sound of that in my head, though. I can sort of recognize it a little bit when I hear it, um, out in, out in the world, but something like, um, uh, the, the, the overture to Candide, I can hear that perfectly. Like a perfect mm -hmm. reproduction of it in my head, uh, Tristan. I'm sure you can too, just because that's such a famous piece. But yeah, and I think yeah, I think it's also how I think cars are particularly interesting uh, because of this. I think music, with the exception of music that is staged, music is uh, almost purely an auditory experience. So yeah. when I tell you you know, think of something about this music. It's going to pop to mind right away because that's what, that's the way you file it in your head. Like hmm. you, you file it by the sound and then you start hearing the sound in your head. And then maybe like, yeah, and I heard this song at this time and it triggers a memory, but it's always starts with how it sounds. And cars, I think are one of those very cool things that are meant to be seen, heard, felt, experience from the inside experience from the outside as they go by so mm -hmm. watching watching them in motion is a part of appreciating a car and i think they have all of these different aspects to them that people may appreciate differently whereas music you can appreciate it differently after you hear it and think about it but mm. the way it's going into your brain is through your ears and it, right. it, it always starts with that sound and cars may not always be it could be sitting there on the grid turned off no sound at all and then later you hear the sound as it's running around the track but you miss startup you're getting little bits and pieces of the whole and it's you know what you latch on to would be interesting to find out 
that's a really interesting way to think about it. Because I guess, again, I'd just use the same counter argument, right? Um, specifically the the um, the top end 911s in IMSA, super recognizable sound. Yeah, yeah. But, and and I think that would be one that I could pick out. But if I just heard that in isolation, not thinking about anything else or not thinking about IMSA or not at a driving to a track, I don't think that I'd necessarily identify it and definitely would not. I'd be able to identify it as a flat six as opposed to, you know, uh, a really souped up four or something like that. You right, know exactly. I mean? And that's, but, I think that that would be, but someone might be able to versus I'm saying. I, yeah. I know that there are people and yeah. I think it, Tristan, I, I feel like maybe you've done this or maybe it was Nick. I, I know between the two of you, at least one of you can hear engine misfires. Yeah. Because I can't actually because and you this might help you it's it's music you hear it running you hear the cylinder firing order even if it's all placed together and then a note drops out yep and so it you sounds listen, like a guitar you, out of tune guitar out of tune or or like let's say you were to take you know every fifth beat out of a piece of music you'd you'd hear it missing and and that's you gotta listen to the whole, and uh, now I couldn't tell you which one because I don't know the firing order because I'm not a technical guy. But I can tell sure. you something's I can tell you something's wrong. Like I I can you know, they turn on the car, or it's going by, and you hear it's disrupted because something is missing, and it's just I couldn't tell you what, I couldn't tell you which cylinder, and I might not be able to tell you which car is misfiring, but I can it sounds wrong. <laughs> And and that's and it's because again I think because I'm used to listening to things because I am also a music person I you know I love the way things sound I'm one of those people that they post and stuff on social media it's like listen to this you know put your headphones on and you'll get goosebumps and it's like you know and I, and I do because I love listening to stuff and you can just tell when it sounds wrong but again kind of like we were talking about with driving there's no conscious thinking there it, it, the sound hits your ears and it's like that is not right. I don't know why, but it's wrong. And then once you think about it, oh, probably because it's misfiring. Maybe but. I've never, maybe I've never really heard it then, or never paid attention to it enough. But I mean, we, I do know I've seen it. I, I see it somewhat regularly on the Twitter account, right? There'll be a auto journalist or or um, someone will post a video, and then someone posts a comment like, "Yeah," and it's also misfiring on six, and I'm like. Yeah, I couldn't tell you which. Yeah. What the hell are you talking about? I can't even. I can't even hear that. Well, because you know, usually it's like someone's tuner car, and they've got a cat delete, and they've got a, you know, a big open exhaust, so dropped or missing engine noise isn't even necessarily that out of the ordinary. Simply because with the reduced back pressure, it just doesn't sound consistent it doesn't run consistently you know what i mean it's like every fucking harley owner with a screaming eagle pipe it sounds like shit because your engine's not firing consistently because there's no back pressure <laughs> it, well up until a certain point mm -hmm. up until a certain point yeah exactly and then, up until and then, a certain well, point. yeah and that's you know like you know barrel valves versus butterfly valves on intakes on race cars like you know barrel valves don't let a lot of air in at low rpm so they barely run and they sound terrible and you know, although they're stuck with the same hardware a lot of times, cars tuned to go fast don't like going slow. And 
it's it's that on a grand scale. So just basically take it and speed it up. If it's misfiring, you can hear it when it's slow, when it's idling and kind of okay, here we go. You, that feels wrong, mm-hmm. like because it, it's loping, and then something misses, and you go, oh, that's weird. Same thing, just sped up. It just it feels crunchy and uncomfortable. That's interesting. I like I like Nick saying it's like an untuned guitar or or you know out of tune guitar. Yeah, crunchy and uncomfortable episode title though. By the way, crunchy <laughs> <laughs> and uncomfortable. <laughs> um. All right. So add footnote. I I wonder. I mean I I'm so curious about the people who can do this stuff or can. Uh, well, like have like having Bozy on the show, right? I, now and now watching I, I don't know if um you guys have seen this i haven't been retweeting it as uh maybe as religiously as i should have been but uh nascar unveiled the next gen car actually let's pause right there um to, and talk about the engine stuff what if i say nascar does anyone hear things when i say nascar i well i started to but i think because you specifically asked does anyone hear that's things? a good point <laughs> um i should have just i meant to do that differently if you had just said nascar probably not yeah, i don't think so either um, I, I wouldn't have i would have seen the logo yeah the logo was probably the first thing that pops into my head and the first thing that popped in my head was those long tracking shots they have on tv as they go around a bank mm. like it just as it goes past that's you know. good that's good. Uh, anyway, so um, where I was going with my original point, um, Bozy was at the unveiling for the next-gen car. Mm-hmm. Next-gen cars, plural. And he has a big, long series of tweets uh, that he retweeted recently from back when he first saw the car on track, wherever it was. It was literally spy shot footage of the car. And based on that, he talked to some people he knew. He had a bunch of educated guesses. He briefly explained this on the podcast, but the cars hadn't been released yet. Um, so he had a list of things in, in his tweets. And, and again, check him out on his account at Bozzy Tatsaravik if you haven't, because it is really, really interesting. He He's had awesome. a list of yeah, he had a list of about seven or eight things that he figured had changed in the next gen chassis, which were not announced at all in any way by NASCAR until last week or whenever it was. Uh, so, you know, the IRS independent rear suspension, he guessed, he guessed um, the X-Track gearbox. He guessed like he guessed a ton of stuff, almost all the changes that were not internal, literally like they mounted the pedals differently. They were, I think, top hanging. Now they're bottom mounted like a GT car. That was the only thing he didn't guess only because you can't see that. Everything else he guessed based off of the footage and, you know, him asking the right questions. But you have to know the question to ask before you can get confirmation or, you know, theory confirmation from someone. Yeah. So clearly there's there's. A group of people we know who can identify mechanical issues by sound. There are a group of people who can identify mechanical behavior by sight. And I just, I'm so captivated by that because I have, I have no ability to comprehend how that seed starts. And even when he was on the show, he said, it's just an idea. I see something and it, it doesn't make sense or it does make sense why it would be that way. And I just, I have no response to that simply because i don't even understand what he's saying when he says that <laughs> yeah didn't he say he was uh like he sees himself as a spider that like crawls yeah, up inside right. yeah. <laughs> yep the spider crawling up inside um which is a which is incredible but i i i i have a need to know more about that simply because i don't even it doesn't make sense you see you saw a car 
going around a corner. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you when something's wrong, <laughs> but I can't. Just watching a car go around a track, I'm not going to be able to tell you what kind of suspension they have in it. And unless I listen to them from a dead stop, I'm not going to be able to tell you how many gears are in it. <laughs> like, right. Like if I if I, you know, if I know it's leaving the pits, unless they're sometimes they the in a car with that amount of horsepower and torque, they might leave the pits in like second instead of first. Sure. But it's it's like I can't just show up to a car already in motion, be like, oh yeah, that's a six speed. It's got independent rear rear suspension. It's probably running a nine ten spring in the back. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Right. What? Right. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of like uh, for me the same thing when magazines or, or or publications do spy shot stuff, and this was like way more common before the pandemic. But uh, like the Corvette was the last one where people were just obsessed about every single frame of every single image and video that was ever released about the C8, mm -hmm. right? And they were dissecting it, and, and, and it's just the amount of conviction that people had in what they saw or interpreted from the video to me was saying, like, all right, clearly there's a group of people out there who have a completely different ability to if i use the word if i use the word centrally which is the correct term uh <laughs> to to perceive with their senses coverage about cars right so i remember mm. right when uh i think it was maybe like the the first ever possible test of the twin turbo v6 vet engine right people were losing their fucking minds we're going absolutely <laughs> ballistic that a corvette would have a twin turbo v6 and they're like you have to listen to this and i listened to it and i was like why am i listening to this this doesn't do anything it doesn't, what is this well, okay great i'm happy for you or well, maybe i'm sorry for you i don't know sounds like I, an engine yeah i thanks i don't know i i need someone i, I was kind of hoping that one of the two of you maybe would have like this uh audio synesthesia type thing but uh not your night, Damn. man. Sorry. I guess not. <laughs> All right. So that's one thing we got to find. We got to find someone who has the audio car gene to, to explain to us a little bit. I wonder, doesn't it just, I would think it comes from experience, interest, and time. Like, you may, like, have heard him talking about that or, like, some of this other, you know, the Corvette stuff or whatever, but it's been a few years and it's more of a curiosity, like, oh, man, how does he do that? And ver versus, like, something critical to your job, like if you're a mechanic or whatever. Well, like, for example, power on a PC tower. Mm -hmm. And I can listen to it go through the set of the startup steps. And I can tell you based on if it, you know, whines or the hard drive makes a funny noise or whatever else, like... Based on noises, I can tell you what's wrong with it. I can tell you, yeah, that's using a spinning drive. It doesn't mm -hmm. have one. It's got an SSD in it. Like, you know, and you can look at all this stuff because it's critical to a hobby and my job. That's that, true. I can that, do that. Like, yeah. I, like, I know all these things about it. And so I, maybe it's just a matter of interest and time and 
getting it wrong, getting it, yeah, getting it wrong a lot and opening it up and going, oh, it's actually this, and then every time that happens, the pattern recognition in your head gets better. Well, wait, we don't have we don't have to wonder actually, Nick. What where are you at in terms of cart mechanic type stuff versus car? I mean the the cart stuff is a little bit simpler. There's mm-hmm. less components, so I'd say I'm better at it. Um, I mean, there's still there's still a few things that either you need two people to do, or I'm just not comfortable necessarily trying to do by myself. Um, right, but in terms of like hearing uh, engine problems or, or a dirty carb or visualizing what would need to happen when you're doing a qualifying or you're doing a practice lap and you want more aggressive turn in, you want less aggressive turn in. Like, do you, how are you thinking about that? Um, in, like, in, do you mean like in terms of the adjustments I need to make? Yeah. The adjustments or what could be wrong with, with something you hear or felt in the cart. Yeah. So, um, There's well, I mean, you can I basically compartmentalize it um, because we also don't have a ton of time. Now, if it's like the week or two weeks between races and you have time to like really tear pieces apart and put it back together. But when you're at the racetrack, you don't have a ton of time to do all that. So usually our adjustments come down to. Tire pressures. Or ride height for handling so most modern carts have a really cool system where it's got like a pill inside like a cassette that can raise or lower the the rear axle um you know so it it comes down to just usually the first thing i go to is um is tire pressure if i'm you know if i want you know tighter or looser on on turn in i will raise or lower tire pressure accordingly um if the engine isn't pulling right you know and sometimes like the 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 air consistency if it's like hot and humid versus really cool and crisp like not only will that change your grip levels but you know there's there's a certain rev band that where the engine makes it does its most work right and you want to get it in that sweet spot and you know temperature changes whatever it is even the fact that i'm running on tires that are now a week older you may not have you have less grip on exit you know to pull you down a straightaway so you may have to make a a gearing adjustment an extra tooth on the rear gear or something like that to get you back into that sweet spot on the motor so there's there's just a few things that my mind goes to instantly um and if those things don't work i'm usually asking around like a did i do it wrong (laughs) or (laughs) b is there something i haven't thought of yet and usually there's something i haven't thought of yet um but yeah carts are pretty simple dude like there's there's a few adjustments you can make and then you and you also don't want to throw everything at it at once Mm-hmm. you know my dad and i always make sure or you know, if my dad's not there another buddy of mine 
who comes out. Like we always make sure to do one thing at a time because if we do five different things and it's better, you don't, you don't know, you don't we know, don't know which it. one made it better. Yep. <laughs> so right. you got to try to sneak standard, up on standard, it. Standard troubleshooting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when so when you're thinking of these adjustments, and, and this would definitely be a question someone I could talk about with like Eversley or something. Or, God, Andy Lally would be amazing for this. I feel like he's just driven everything. Mm-hmm. When when you're thinking or feeling this when you're driving, presumably this would be during, like, practice laps or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you narrate with internal monologue to basically tell yourself to bring up later? Or is it like a yes. retrospective kind of thing where it's like you finish your lap, you're thinking about it. Maybe you're remembering your way through and you're like, ah, I didn't like that. If it's, if it's something that really stands out, like if it's like really bad, <laughs> it's something that I'll note right away. Otherwise it's kind of that, that walk back to the trailer where I can kind of process. Um, but usually if if I notice something the first time, you know, practices four or five laps, right, is in a session and we get a couple of those. So if it happens on lap one, I am going to try to replicate it on lap two. Sure. Like I'm going to try to break at the same point. You know, man, the back end really stepped out. I had no rear grip. Is that just because the tires are cold? And the next time I come around when they're warm, it'll be better. So let me break at the same point. Let me turn at the same point. If I'm still, you know, all over the place. Okay. Now the next time is let me try to adjust how I'm driving it to make it better. Is this something that can be adjusted by turning in differently, by breaking later or, you know, adjusting my line. And if it's still all over the place, now it's like, okay, this is something we need to, we got to look at this back at the trailer. We've got to do some things. So that's kind of, that's kind of my process is will it repeat again? Can I change it without adjusting anything on the car? It could just by adjusting the way I drive. And if all those things go, if I go all the way down the list and then it's like, okay, now we got to adjust it. And that part usually comes after the scales when we're walking back to the trailers, like, okay, now what do we have to do? Because I know I tried this three ways from Sunday and none of it worked. Gotcha. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, and this would be the perfect time to have a pro racer because not and I'm not a pro, so I, I'm well, sure no, they could like just blow me out of the water with with how they read things and how they. Well, feel not even things. that, but it's just there's an intermediate step there. Not only do they have to feel what they're feeling and then you know verify with co-drivers, whatever, whatever. They also have to translate that to a team of people who will do the work for them. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, they're, it's not that the drivers like just tell the engineers and then fuck off unless it's F1, but, uh, they, you still have to communicate your feeling, combine it with someone else's and communicate that to a third party to do adjustments with their knowledge and their way of viewing things and the car itself, which is going to be drastically different simply because the skill sets are different. Like Tristan pointed out. Their experience is different. Their their career uh, reflexes are different, and I think that's I I think that's got to be a struggle if nothing else. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I wonder, like, I don't know if we can do that in a text. I was gonna say, I uh, no, re- I don't know. I could reach out to Eversley and Tealitz and try to send them a Bible of a text and see if they read the whole thing, 
or maybe we just say, "Hey, would you mind coming back on? We've got a question for you." <laughs> well, we'll have to we'll have to work this down. So, really, I mean, unfortunately for anyone listening, still we haven't solved anything. No, we blabbered we, for ninety minutes. It was interesting we, to talk about, but I don't we think we it, came to any real conclusions. No, we didn't come to any conclusions. But we we've laid out a roadmap now, right? We've we've started a base outline where previously there really wasn't anything. So we've determined that two of us have inner monologues. One doesn't one, one is weird and, and shall be ejected from the colony for, I guess, being a witch or not being a witch. Burn her. Who's, one the of the po- two. who's the possessed one with a demon talking inside Fine, their for, brain? For okay? not being a witch, you shall be. You shall be. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, Interestingly enough, when we get down to things like brands, no one no one really thought of anything other than like the iconography. I think we mm-hmm. can say for Porsche, the 911 is iconography versus, you know, Ferrari red, blah, 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 all that good stuff. No one here has any uh, auditory leanings. But there is a well, there, there's some commonality between how we experience things while we're driving on the road versus driving on a track or in a more aggressive situation. However, the processing of that is very different. The processing of the experience is different. Yes. And what else do we have? (laughs) It's interesting that that in general, humans can function in such wildly different ways and the end result is basically the same. Right, exactly. And that's that's really where in idealized fashion, I'd like to go with this, right? So how many, truly, how many race drivers experience driving on a track the same way? How many of them experience something as simple as the brand that they drive for the same way? Like, is it 100% happenstance? Are there people who associate with their brand and and love it in a way you know what i mean or or do they love it because they're paid to love it (laughs) exactly exactly or or (laughs) is there like you know some some people with genuine loyalty and it means something to them and they only want to drive for whoever it is honda or whatever i mean there are all of these people not just in the professional world but in the regular world that love cars and it is such a a multi-sensory experience, as you pointed out, Tristan, it's not even something that you can fully experience with just a single sense because there is always another level, even if it's exactly. something like, yeah, exactly. I may love Lamborghinis, I will never be able to drive one, but if I could, that would be another piece of it. That would be another part of the experience that might change the way I interpret uh, interpret anything related to that brand or the color yellow you know what i mean like there's there's all of these possibilities that come from a very singular experience and it's the multitudinous nature of the interfacing between the person and the culture that i find so interesting as opposed to the culture itself which maybe is really may a really bizarre thing to to say i guess i just think we we this needs to in perfect state, this needs to be a roundtable discussion because we can't we can't close this book with just the three of us. 
No, not at all. Clearly, but, we're, but, we're missing a lot. <laughs> but we figured out which questions to ask. That's true. That's valuable going forward. And we want the listeners to input what other questions should we ask. Whatever, what other questions haven't we asked in the last 90 minutes that need to be? Yeah, that we can either end? try to fumble around an answer or that we can try to reach out to some of the people we know and get the answers. Do you have an inner monologue? What's it, what's it do while you're driving? What's it do when you think about cars or hear engines? Or do you have the ability to uh, hear just some, some cylinders and know uh, somehow through magic how many there are and what they're doing and what configuration they're in? Are, are you that guy? Yeah, I mean, we'll to be continued, I guess, to be determined. But um, I don't know. I think we've. Uh, do you think we've kept the listeners enough? Yeah, I think so. At this I, point, I think I've I've about run out of foolishness for now. <laughs> well, what foolishness would you like to say? <laughs> fresh out of foolish. Enough of this foolishness. What foolishness would you like to say? <laughs> All right. Oh, by the by the way, Tristan, uh, this is something just for you and I. The uh, that that Kyle plant emoji guy, that the, the guy who had that tweet, that was, yes, uh, one hundred and fifty thousand retweets, like <laughs> uh, in his bio, drinking out of cups, being a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> the see, internet is a flat circle, and see, everyone has only seen five memes. <laughs> Seahorses forever. Seahorses forever. <laughs> Oh man! If you, if you, listeners, if you don't know drinking out of cups, you should, you should, you should know drinking out of cups. You should know drinking out of cups. (laughs) All right, let's get the folks out of here. So thanks for sticking with us today. We appreciate you listening, but we do not want you just to listen. We want you to interact with us. We already mentioned where you can get in touch with us on the socials. So be sure to send in those questions about how car people and race drivers um, internalize and process information and experience the culture. Anything we haven't asked, send it in to us so we can get get that stuff out on the table. Also, on whatever platform you're streaming us through, be sure to leave us a review, preferably a good one, and or hit that subscribe button for us if you would. It's free, and you'll get notified of any new content we put out. If you're really into what we're doing, and we'd like to support this podcast monetarily, you have two options for that. You can go to patreon.com slash check engine podcast or hit the support button on our homepage at anchor.fm slash check engine podcast. Every cent pledged is put towards making this show a better experience for you, the listener, and or funding an official study that we kicked off today. <laughs> None of it goes back into our personal pockets. Again, thank you in advance gentlemen who or what are we giving a thank you to before we sign off uh i i will take this opportunity to thank the two of you for just letting me do literally whatever i wanted for this episode and just not <laughs> not had not do any actual groundwork for it with for no reason you trusted me we going on a voyage of discovery uh-huh well we've been doing this long enough where we feel like we can trust you one and two uh, sure. We didn't have any better ideas. <laughs> so, we're like, I got nothing. I got nothing. We'll just let Andrew run with this and see what happens. You know what? I'll take that. I'll, I'll take that. That's perfect. Tristan? 
Um, I'd like to take this opportunity, not as a thank you, but a shout out to a a friend of mine and a uh, co uh, co wedding party member with you, you two gentlemen. Yes. Uh, 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 Eugene and his wife Allison, um, a little a little ways back here, wanted to wait until the announcement was official. They uh, have welcomed their son Elijah, uh, Ooh, Elijah. Into, in, into the world. So welcome Elijah. We don't have it's any baby name. sized uh, check engine podcast T shirts, but uh, yet we can work on that. So awesome! Best, congratulations, congratulations, and best of luck you two. Congrats mm-hmm. and welcome to the CEP family, Elijah. Um, I also want to do a family shout-out. Uh, my youngest cousin, this makes me feel so old, but my youngest cousin, <laughs> Alex, um, on May 15th, graduated from college. Way! From, from the University of Wisconsin <laughs> Lacrosse. Um, the little smartass literally knows everything there is to know about humans now because majored in biology and minored in psychology so body why did and... you not have him on this podcast he know. didn't know what you were gonna do yeah oh yeah that's fine <laughs> no what it's it was about fault. fine <laughs> but him and i can run the study yes, yes absolutely awesome. <laughs> absolutely we'll give him a summer internship this yeah. year yeah but yeah congratulations alex um we're, we're super super proud of you obviously with all the pandemic stuff going on there couldn't be like the formal graduation walk that everybody could take part in which is a bummer but um at some point later this summer this fall we look forward to celebrating with you properly uh because you absolutely deserve it so congratulations to alex on your <laughs> knowing everything there is to know mind and body um and congrats on the major accomplishment that's awesome hell yeah and as always, thank you listeners for your continued support. We love hearing from you. We love recording this for you. And we cannot wait to speak to you again. Until we do, take care. <laughs>